what does the Bible say about it? You know, nudge. Uh, your opinion doesn't really matter. <laughs> what does the Bible say? <laughs> Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm your host, Daniel Fox, here with my great friend, Tom Balsamo. And, uh, and we hey. want to thank you right off the bat, uh, elite patrons, all patrons. Thank you for investing uh, of your uh, earned money, your life, uh, investing in what we're doing here and believing in it. And uh, thank you so much for what you do. If you're interested in becoming a patron, you can head on over to patreon.com slash reason together. Sign up for any of the tier levels there. The elite uh, level comes with a free T-shirt and access to the patron um, uh, chat board there. And, uh, and we mm-hmm. like feedback. We like feedback for a patron or not reason together podcast at gmail.com. Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing well. And, uh, uh, speaking of patrons, um, we have had quite a, uh, significant month here. We really have. <laughs> yeah. It's exciting. We have. Yeah, we have several new uh, elite patrons on board. Uh, we'd like to welcome Will uh, to the patron family, as yes, well sir. as John and Mary Beth. Okay. And Dan. Very uh, good. All, all parts of the elite patron group now. So thank you to all of you for joining on board uh, at patreon.com slash reason together. That's right. Uh, shout, shout out yeah. to Will, John and Mary Beth and Dan. Thank you so much for uh for joining here, you kind of really got us to a, a mile marker here yeah. on our, our patron support. I, I find myself saying this thing that they say in Tennessee now. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. yeah, it's like I hear so many people say it and I kind of like it and it's kind of stuck. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Oh, really? That's yeah. Nice. yeah, okay. That's interesting. Everybody so that's says kinda, that. That's kind of maybe a Tennessean thing, Southern thing? I guess, yeah. But it know, seems instead like of I've just heard... saying thank you, folks are like, I appreciate you. Yeah, I heard somebody say that recently. Uh, I was thinking, I think I was in the uh, the county courthouse, and somebody was uh, saying that. I thought, well, that's neat. <laughs> yeah, I, I liked it when I heard it too. So, what? Well, well, okay, dare I ask what you were doing in the county courthouse? Um, yeah, well, before they sentenced me, we, the guy said, "I appreciate your bail." It wasn't me this time. <laughs> no, so, no, <laughs> that was I last was, time. And no, I said, "You're I on do? your own next time." <laughs> Right. No, it was uh, it was an issue with the uh, the church van. Oh, so okay. I was getting that, yeah, worked out. Gotcha. Uh, um, question for you. Um, okay. And I, and I know this kind of uh, <clears throat> jumps into modern culture, uh, our tech culture, um, and and semi typical of me. I'm going to try to actually formulate a question out of this, but I mean, semi typical. <laughs> it's like this broad. Uh, ethereal, like, oh, I see something here. But the idea of a TikTok influencer, okay. <laughs> um, so, so somebody now, I, now, now TikTok, it, it, you know, is already a dumpster fire. I understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but, but you have somebody on there who's a TikTok influencer. And I'm not naive enough to think that they, that they aren't influencing people. I mean, they they actually are influencers on TikTok. I guess my question is, though, um, whose fault is that? Uh, I mean, to to what to what degree, I think, do parents bear the blame for permitting somebody on TikTok to influence their kids? I mean, 
you know, saying, no, yeah. you can't, you can't have TikTok <clears throat> on your phone. Uh, no, you don't need a smartphone. Uh, no, you don't need to be online in that way uh, or, or whatever. But to say that some, you know, knucklehead on, on TikTok does all these crazy things and influences your kid, whose fault is that? Uh, well, I mean, I think there's plenty of blame to go around. Right. Um, <laughs> True. If I can say it that way, there are no good guys here when someone has, uh, you know, numbed their brain uh, with the anesthetic of TikTok. Um, I do think parents bear a large role in that, especially depending on the age of the young person. Um, because, uh, you know, kids are have naturally addictive personalities, uh, they have often yet to develop uh, the character to to stop doing something that's fun. They just want more of it and more of it and more of it. And they don't know limits. They don't know limitations and they don't see the negative outcomes of having too much fun. And there there is a way you can have too much fun with things. Oh, well, um, media, yeah. especially media and social media, but I mean, media uh, is a very yeah. powerful medium. Well, sure. So you say they have addictive personalities and they're drawn to that one after the other, scrolling, watching, yeah. you know, being entertained by, as you're saying, oh, this is fun or funny or interesting. Yeah. Well, and it gets worse to me the longer we go on in this media crazed world because it's not all new anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it was at one time new, mm-hmm. you know, as far as social media and scrolling and notification icons and mm-hmm. uh, push notifications, all these things, the red badge with the number one on it or when all these things uh, started coming. <laughs> there was a time when it was new and we had yet to know really what why it was made it? the way it was made and okay. what effect it would have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to see that now. And, you know, I, I don't have uh, actual data in front of me, but I've heard folks cite various things on different news reports or uh, blogs or various sources that I've read where it seems like people are becoming more and more cognizant of their screen time Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. they're realizing that it makes them less happy Mm. and they're realizing that the, the platforms that make these things purposefully make it addictive and they purposefully target young people, and uh, uh, it's 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 been a, a not a net benefit, but really a net demise, uh, a net loss on society. And folks are starting to uh, push more towards a revival of curbing yourself when it comes to screens and digital media. And I hope that push continues, and I hope it get, hope it gains widespread uh, use. But the reason why I say it's worse now is because parents who continue to allow their kids unfettered access to things like TikTok, well, now we know why these things exist and we know what they do. And we even have some indication of who's behind it. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm looking Mm -hmm. at you, CCP, Um, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, China, but uh, all that to say if 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 we continue to let kids use these things at such a young age or or at all knowing now why they're created and what they're for um that's even worse in my opinion mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know there have been folks who've made the observation that if enemies of america can cause americans to entertain themselves into a stupor 
then other nations around the world who are seeking to be the next big world power can destroy America without even firing a shot. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sort of what all of this media is doing. And we're sort of creating uh, the the entire plot of the movie Wall E. <laughs> um, in that, that, yeah, that's another topic. But that that storyline is interesting. It sure, uh, is. I, I was kind of when first time I, I had heard the movie a few times, uh, meaning I hadn't watched, it, but I'd heard mm-hmm. it because we're driving in the car on a trip, you know, and they're watching Wall E, and I'm hearing all the sounds and the whatever. <laughs> um, so I had maybe heard it a couple times anyway, and I watched it and my jaw almost dropped at, I was like, oh, wow, what a picture and how, how much that did parallel, uh, some, some things in our time. That's really something. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, okay. Sorry. Uh, that's sort of a long drawn out answer to your question, but. Yeah, um, but it, well, and the short answer being, yeah, there, there's blame to go around, and and obviously, uh, you know, the kid bears some some responsibility. Of course, the originator sure. some responsibility, but I just want to, you know, the parents need to have some idea, and you know, I can't. Uh, there's there's a place, um, and I can't recall the the website address, the company name right off the top of my head, but we'll link to it in the show notes. That uh, from what little I've looked into it, it really is trying to help parents understand uh, media and technology for the for the safety of their kids to say, uh, you know, and and maybe you're going to draw a thing. Well, we just just keep them away from it altogether. Or, you know, there's there's obviously other approaches to it, like, uh, you know, filter your Internet at the uh, at the router level. Fantastic idea. But Mm -hmm. But still, there's this site where you can go on to multiplied uh, apps, I think, and they'll tell you, okay, Snapchat, here's what to watch out for. Here's how they can access porn or whatever. You know, here's the downfalls. Here's what they've been yeah. doing. Here's this app over here. So that you can at least be savvy to it and, and give some direction and guidelines to your kids. And some of them you'll say, absolutely not. You can't own that. I care, I care for you too yeah. much. Which that brings up an interesting side uh, tangent here about... Instagram. <clears throat> so, mm-hmm. um, some of you might know that years ago I used to have social media and I didn't, I didn't like it. I got off of it and I never looked back. Mm-hmm. And I remember having Instagram and I remember it was fairly innocuous, fairly innocent. Um, cause you only saw the stuff that you followed, but okay. as many of these companies tend to do, they start introducing recommendations of things you could follow mm-hmm. uh, or that they think you should follow. Next thing you know, you're being shown things that you did not particularly subscribe to in the hopes that you'll subscribe to it. Mm-hmm. And I have heard uh, from various sources, uh, personal friends, and even in the media that Instagram has become so bad that it is essentially pornography at this point. Mm-hmm, like a soft entry into to porn or what they call it, soft core porn or something like that. Right, right. Which, you know, that's a whole nother side conversation, you know, like what's the difference really? Um, mm-hmm. Porn is porn. But um, 
the as far as young men in particular using something like Instagram, they're constantly being shown these pictures of women. Mm-hmm. You know, follow this, subscribe to this, like this, or whatever. And like I said, it's I don't know how it works anymore. It's been years since I've ever seen Instagram. But I'm told that essentially now, if you if you are on Instagram, you are on a pornography app. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I find that rather concerning. So yeah, just, absolutely. you know, absolutely. Instagram users, ye be warned. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I just don't know what the value in it is at a certain point. You know, if, if you tell a, a Christian, you know, Hey, you know, this social media app is really trying to get you hooked on porn. You know, what's, what's the value of having it at that point? You know, mm-hmm. is there really a redeeming quality where you can say, oh, I know, but I can control this part of it and this part of it, you know, because I use it for this. And it's just it's just hard for me to think that it's worth it. And I'm not going to absolutely judge anybody who's got it, but I, the, the verse comes to mind to say, uh, uh, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. When yeah. you, especially in this, for, for men in this particular area uh, of temptation, if you're constantly being... Uh, bombarded by that with advertisements and recommendations. And you say, oh, I swipe them off. I cancel them. I give them, you know, the thumbs down, however, however they do it. Um, the fact that you have to face that, um, by being in the app, you have to, you have to ask yourself, why, why am I letting myself be tempted by that? You, you yeah. know, it's like walking through the, you know, a wrong aisle of the, of the store, knowing that, uh, well, there, there would be some, would there be some other way to get to, to where you're going than going through that aisle all the time where you yeah. know you're going to be tempted? Um, you just got to consider that and say, how many times, you know, so you say, oh, I can, I can resist it though. I always swipe off it. Yeah. But the thousandth time when, when you're, you know, mm-hmm. on a weekday and you're struggling, um, I don't know, you just got to certainly yeah. consider that. Um, sure. Um, you want to take a, do you have a question on your mind? Anything you want to talk about in particular? Um, we said we'd nope. catch up a little bit. You've, uh, you're kind of getting settled in there to your, um, a new life there, which really is yeah quite a change there in Tennessee. I mean, yeah. Yeah. We've been here, um, workload. I think probably four months now. Wow. I'm guessing. Time flies. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it does, but it feels like an eternity already. Like, like we're, we're used to life here to a degree now and, um, <clears throat> we have somewhat of a routine, uh, at this point, um, we're mostly unpacked, but, uh, I'm still trying to get my workshop together. Um, and that's, that's the big project right now. Cause it's holding up several other things. Cause I have to build some things. Um, things and I can't be, do that yeah. without the shop. So, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's, what's up here is just trying to settle in. Um, we had a, a men's range day at our church. Uh, last Saturday. So, uh, we had a skeet competition and, um, we had a rifle competition. Then we had a, a pistol competition where you actually run through a course of fire, um, you know, shooting and moving. Uh, so it's, Oh, wow. uh, Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, I didn't get to compete. I was keeping, tabs of it. I was scoring and kind of, I was the, like, I guess you'd call it a range safety officer, but, uh-huh. um, I don't want to put a title on it cause it makes it sound like, uh, you know, I'm some expert and I'm not, um, but <laughs> you're just making sure uh, all the men made it, uh, made it out of the activity. Alive. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And making sure everyone knows the, the rules of competition. We used IDPA scoring for the pistol competition and all of that. And, uh, 
Um, but anyway, it was fun. We have some guy who uh, at our church who was a former Green Beret. Um, oh, okay. And he just smoked everybody in that course <laughs> um, with his time. And he's like, yeah, I haven't done any serious shooting in like five years. <laughs> and he just gets there and smokes everybody. <laughs> so. Um, I'd say his training worked. Yeah, yeah, I'd say. So that's uh, that's what's been going on here. And then uh, we'll be helping soon with the church fall festival and um, various other things going on. So how about you? Good. Uh, you're keeping plenty busy um, for sure. Um, and yet at a at an enjoyable point of busy, I think. Um, uh, my, I've got... Uh, Two, two sons that are graduated and uh, and then the the girls are still left at home but they're getting frequent opportunities to work um, mm-hmm. which is neat a neat opportunity but right now it's uh, ferrying them around uh, a bit uh, <laughs> to, because the oldest one's not quite doesn't quite have her driver's license so she she cleans houses and there we're in we're in pumpkin season now so there's somebody that's wanting them to pick pumpkins you know a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then she had a neat uh, opportunity the other day to make donuts for somebody and ran her somewhere, you know, take, <laughs> take that. And uh, yeah, they were good. <laughs> they were really good. Um, so that's, uh, that kind of keeps busy on top of, uh, my wife teaches, uh, several piano lessons and, um, and, uh, and I'm kind of moving into a new phase at church, um, of, you know, kind of moving into first chair as far as preaching goes, um, while pastor is off and then moving towards retirement at the end of the year. He is. And uh, so in the candidating process uh, at the church. And uh, yeah, so things are going going well. Starting a, uh, a, a new Wednesday night children's ministry. Really excited about that. Um, uh, got got uh, a lead on a curriculum that as I read on it, I was like, wow, this is really something. And, and we kind of think we morphed it a little bit into something extra that we were planning, but it aligned so much with what we were trying to do. Um, and, uh, just been excited about getting that going where, uh, it provides a, you know, kind of a systematic study, if you will, uh, of, uh, of several doctrines over a period of three years, uh, age graded. It gives them a, a daily devotional, a memorization plan, kind of a catechism in a sense. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it involves their parents. It, uh, we're, we're working it in such a way that we're developing kind of mentor relationships in the church. So it's not just the leader of the program and all the kids. It's right. all the kids are divided between half a dozen teams um, where they're they're meeting some of our young people and some of our adults from the church. You know what I mean? And developing relationships yeah. there. So it's getting people in the church integrated and involved in the ministry and seeing the need. And it's just it's exciting. It. Um, uh, on, on, for so many different reasons, that's just neat yeah. to see it. And it started off well and, um, and already seeing, uh, fruit from it. And, uh, it's, it's neat. Good. Yep. Good. yep. I have, uh, found myself, um, without, um, without having, um, ministries to administrate like that, mm-hmm. I have found myself just itching to write. Oh yeah. Um, Good. Yes. Um, and, and I guess I w I don't want to say I have all the time in the world for it right now. Uh, right. I certainly don't, but it's like, I, I crave it more than I ever did before. So I find myself writing a ton right now, just whenever I can, like, uh, I have, uh, I use Evernote. <clears throat> so, mm-hmm. 
even like if I'm at work and it's I'm between cases, there's nothing going on. I'm finished with everything. I can just type a few sentences out, check mark, save it for later, and it comes back up on my computer when I get home, and so on. Uh, I write a lot on Sunday afternoons. Really enjoying that. Um, good. I'm good. not sure all of it's going to make it to the blog. Um, you know, just some things. Uh, they're just not blog post like. So, but uh, I'm currently in the middle of a series on um, uh, feminism uh, and how it's crept into independent Baptist churches mm-hmm. and uh, ways that we've essentially stripped men of masculinity mm-hmm. and called it sanctification. So, wow. Um, wow. And I, I'm writing the fifth part of it. And I keep, every time I get to the, to the final part i'm like okay this is going to be the final part but there's yeah, just so it. much I mean more it. okay wait no wait. so much more to write so i almost said fifth and final but there might be a sixth i don't know <laughs> um and it's like you know whether anybody reads it or not i just don't care uh, i just i'm writing it because i enjoy it and i think it's important and i just want to get it out somewhere and uh um but the uh, the articles are entitled destroyer of worlds and uh, the fifth part should be coming out soon. But it sounds, I it sounds like really, a new, like, it sounds like a new Netflix show, Destroyer of Worlds. <laughs> I can like see that. I'm gonna see the image. No, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> anyway. It's it's all on the blog at ReasonTogether.fm. If you're mm-hmm. curious to read it, I think you'll be surprised by some of the things that you'll see on there, and you'll go, "Oh wow." Uh, our church does that <laughs> or, Oh wow. I've heard our pastor do that. You might be surprised to find ways that feminism has crept in even into the pulpits of independent Baptist churches. And if, uh, help me here on, on our website, people can respond to the blog post right there on the site, right? Comments sure, yeah. are open so they can leave feedback, uh, mm-hmm. positive or negative, uh, regarding things right there. And of course our elite patrons, well, any of our patrons, that's right. Any of our patrons have access to the patron message board and can amongst themselves, um, now there are several, uh, can discuss those those same things or any others. Yeah, 100%. Um, let me jump to a uh, feedback of one of our patrons. We have a few and I don't, we're not going to get to them all absolutely tonight. So we're going to have to uh, hit it again next week. But um uh, our elite patron, Mary Beth, asks this question, um, a few questions, and I want to read the whole thing and commend the last question. Why is daily Bible reading easy for some while daily prayer is easier for others? Should a Christian feel guilt if they do not read their Bible all the way through in a year? Quote, is meditation and uh, memorization of God's word better than just speed reading through the Bible? And I like this last question. What does the Bible say about it? You know, nudge. Uh, your opinion doesn't really matter. <laughs> what the Bible would say? Um, all right. No, that's that's a great question, Mary Beth. A uh, series mm-hmm. of questions. So let's take it one at a time. Uh, okay. This because this is really uh, bread and butter uh, of of practical Christian life. We're talking about mm-hmm. this regularly, and and it yep. really ought to be a staple part of 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 our of our mindset. Yeah. Of our approach. By daily, uh, daily Bible reading and study. Yeah, it's so so basic to the Christian life that you almost feel terrible giving it as an answer sometimes when people ask a question. <laughs> you know, Bible reading and prayer. 
Um, cause it's like, oh, okay, great. Isn't that the answer to everything? Well, uh, I mean, in a way, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a pretty important thing. <clears throat> well, I was just talking, you know, talking about basic answers to things, um, that the, you know, quintessential, how do I know God's will for my life question? Um, yeah, well, that starts off with, are you basically doing what you're supposed to be doing today? Yeah. And that means, am I surrendered to God? Am I wanting to know him more? Am I communicating with him? Am I seeking to, to, to grow and, and, and be, uh, an influencer, uh, that almost has a bad stigma now. Um, yeah. but an influencer for the Lord, you know what I mean? So like start, yeah. it has to start off there before I say, Hey, well, what, what, what do you like? And, uh, and what do you think here? And all this stuff first it's wait, or does your life actually demonstrate that you care about God's guidance in your life? And that's going to yeah. come down to the daily. I'm actually in the word and I do pray and I communicate. That's a basic. But, yeah. And if you look at, at Mary Beth's question, she says, why is daily Bible reading easy for some while daily prayer is easier for others? <clears throat> and, and I would say, you know, and again, you know, this, this could be wrong, but I suspect that <clears throat> the difference between uh, Bible reading and prayer is that Bible reading is God communicating to me and prayer is me communicating to God. And I know many personalities where guys just aren't big talkers. <laughs> and I, I really can't envision that in their prayer life, suddenly they just are pouring out their soul in a multiplicity of words to God in prayer. I imagine their prayers are probably as simple as their conversations are with other people. And hmm. in that sense, you know, is it easier for them to pray uh, than some others? Probably not. You know, I mean, they might, they're just not maybe, you know, big communicators. They're more quiet type men, uh, type gentlemen. Whereas I think that um, as far as Bible reading goes, they might really excel in an area like that. They want to hear from God. They want to sit down and they want to read the scriptures and spend a while there pouring over. Mm -hmm. So, so maybe they do better at hearing what God has to say than pouring their heart out to God. Whereas I think other people, they're just more... I just got to say what's on my heart and mind, Lord. I just got to, I got to pour it out to you. And they might be a little more, um, <laughs> uh, short attention span as far as reading goes. Mm. Um, you know, and I think different, different people are well different, um, when it comes well, yeah. to these things. To be honest, I, I guess I don't know that as I read the question, um, I, I don't know that I've ever considered it easier for someone to pray than read the Bible. Now, maybe that's because I'm judging from my own personal experience. Um, and, and Mary Beth would, would relate to the illustration that it seems like the bulk of pianists, and maybe it's just like uh, mid-level on down, you know, the advanced pianists maybe don't care anymore, but the, uh, you know, the, the semi-advanced student on down uh, typically to me, to my uh, knowledge, they, they, they like, they prefer flats to sharps. Okay. If you're a piano person and you say, uh, would you rather play in flats or play in sharps by and large? Oh, flats, flats. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I don't know if the Bible reading, I guess I just sort of presumed it, it was that way because maybe that's the way I'm built that there's something. And I sort of project that on everybody else that there's something about, Oh, I can get into a habit of reading a chapter 
or reading something. But prayer, there's something difficult about prayer. And I guess I personally have just ascribed it to, um, without wanting to be too uh, uh demonology kind of thing, but like kind of a, kind of a satanic resistance that, that when, when you try to pray, uh, it's just, you find your, your mind wandering doing this. And maybe there is a more physiological reason that, uh, well, you're just a guy that more, like you said, explained it. I just, you, you're better on the intake than, than the, than the out, outgo. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. I guess I hadn't thought that it would be easier for somebody to pray than to read, but I suppose that's the case. I mean, I think you and I both probably know some men that we could we could probably look at them and say, you know, I'll bet their scripture reading life flows much easier than their prayer life does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and not that not that they're bad at praying. It's just they're just a different personality. Uh, they they talk to God maybe in a different way. Not mm. I don't mean that to sound ecumenical, you know, or, or weird or like mystical no. contemplative prayer. I just mean they have much simpler conversations, and um, yeah. you know, the Lord knows the communication of their heart, really. Um, sure, even even when sure. it doesn't come out their mouth, if I could say it that way. Her next question is, should a Christian feel guilt if they do not, quote, read their Bible all the way through in a year, end quote? Uh, and no, my short no, answer, next question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my short answer is what Tom said. I, at, uh, no. Now, I have, I, I'm aware of this in my own life that not being a fast reader and, and you know, kind of seeing, seeing reading through the Bible in a year as a challenge Um I've come to the place of giving myself liberty to go. It's it's okay, you know, for me to uh, for for me to take more time to yeah. get through scripture. The flip side of that being though, uh, you still need to get through scripture, and and maybe it's not by anybody's plan of uh, you know uh, you know they're laid out in a specific way or read it straight through or read it in chronology or whatever. But you get through mm-hmm. it, and at times it is. Well, I, I think this is gonna no actually. Um, no, it's not the next question. So sometimes just taking it in in bulk is good. Yeah. Other times, meditating on a few verses, a passage, a chapter, a book is good, you know, a book study. Yeah. But sometimes seeing the overview or just bla- you know, blazing through a book, you feel like, oh, I'm not spending any time really digesting it. Yeah, but you're getting a different look at it. You're getting an overview yeah. of it. So, so you do, you can't obviously use the excuse that oh, I just, I haven't made it through in a year. Well, yeah, well, I haven't made it in, through in 15 years. Well, okay, then we should, I, you know. I work. would say it this way. I'm comfortable with you reading as far as you can, understanding it. Mm-hmm. If if you sit down and you read through five chapters in your daily Bible reading, I mean that's pretty good, right? That's that's yeah, impressive, right? Mm-hmm. Especially depending on the book that you're in. Mm-hmm. But you don't really understand the context of it, what it's there for, what purpose it has in the whole of Scripture, or what the words meant that you read. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't find it intelligible, if if there's no edification happening. Mm-hmm. to you, then you've missed the point of reading it. And I don't care mm-hmm. how far you read, you mm-hmm. missed the point. And one of the most common questions I got when I was pastoring was, how do we have family devotions, pastor? We're trying mm-hmm. to establish family devotions. How do we do that? Should I read a chapter? Should I read 10, you know, 10 verses or what? Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm not going to put a number on that. You might have family devotions tonight. And it might be one verse. 
mm-hmm. one verse. And if, and if you're reading through it and it, it just opens up the thought and you begin to see how it fits into the whole of scripture and you begin to teach that verse to your family and, and you understand it and it, and it meets a specific need or it gives you an understanding about your God better mm-hmm. uh, and so on, then that's family devotions to me, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. There might be another night where you go through chapter after chapter and you're just enjoying the word of God together as a family. Um, It's not always going to be the same. And I kid you not, almost every time I gave that counsel to folks who asked, they were just so relieved. They were so liberated by the thought that they didn't have to read through a lengthy portion of scripture all the time in their family devotions. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. if they're not being edified by it, you're missing the point of your devotions. So long run for a short slide here. No, it doesn't matter if you don't read through the whole thing in a year. You don't have to feel guilty for that. What I want to know is, are you understanding what you are reading? (laughs) Okay. Two tangents here. One is, boy, you brought up like a, a memory of this slip and slide. When I was a kid, I hated this slip and slide. Oh, by and large, because you, you still had to like throw your body down onto the ground. I mean, so yeah, it's covered with this tarp and you'd slide a little bit yep. by, by physics, but I mean, it really wasn't and you, enjoyable. Um, and you so, occasionally catch a dry spot on the, on the mat with your elbow <laughs> and you get this big red burn. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was okay. So anyway, thanks for bringing that up. Um, or you go clear off the backside of it into the grass and now you're covered in mud. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, that might've been the funnest part for some is getting the mud bath at the end. Like if I can make it far enough, bloosh into the yard and whatever, but okay. Um, no, but to, to say that that question, um, seems to, uh, say, should I feel guilt for not reading through the Bible in a year? The reason we would ask the question is because, uh, that has become a prolific thing that there's the read the Bible through in a year plan, Right. Uh, that there's several different plans to read through your Bible in a year. And maybe we're uh, encouraged from different voices at different times. Uh, you ought you to, to try to read through your Bible in a year. Well, you know, that's a, that's a great goal, but that is a man-made goal. Uh, I can't say anywhere in Scripture where it says uh, that you ought to read the uh, entire canon within a calendar year. Now, you, you know, so now could some make it... Um, could some make it an indicator of spirituality? Yeah. But other times it may just be some guy's um, attempt to provide a tool or to encourage people uh, to sanctification in a way. And and we tend to uh, take that mold and feel guilty for not meeting it. And we have to, um, again, there's a balance here, but be, be liberated to, to understand the principle that I'm supposed to be growing. I'm supposed to be sanctified. And what the way that this guy does it over here might be a little bit different than the way that I do it over here, but we're both driving for the same thing. Uh, so when somebody says, yeah, when I witness, this is how I do it. Yeah, I walk right up to people and I boom, boom, boom. And you go, oh, I feel guilty for not, um, for not evangelizing that way. Well, the point is that we, we need to be communicating our faith, but it may not be that way for every person. Yeah. Would you agree that I do. we, and, we and, see and, methods and we tend to see that then start to become a rule that if you're spiritual, you'll follow that method to do that thing. Yeah. We well, Satan has no new tricks 
And uh, he has been using that as a means of causing Christians to stumble since the beginning. The, if there's anything that human beings are good at that causes them to fall right into the trap of Satan, is they're, they're, they're good at taking something that is meant to be pure and mm. righteous and good before God and, and making it, in a sense, a whip to crack uh, at others. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the fact is if, if you read your Bible through in a year, great. But if you hold someone else to that exact same standard, you are outside, uh, the bounds of scripture itself and requiring them to do the same in right. order to be holy. Um, <laughs> right. but, yes. but that's what, that's what Christians are good at. We're good at taking things like that and, uh, uh, making, you know, in a sense, commandments that, that aren't there and making law where there is no law and, and making rules that God himself would not own. Um, yeah. So, so, so uh, yeah, and that's no, that's, that is, uh, just an encouragement to the person who asked the question that yeah. I hope you don't feel guilt about that to just you know, recognize the underlying principle. Uh, another question is meditation and memorization of God's word better than just speed reading through the Bible. Uh, and let me couple that with the last question. What does the Bible say about that? So what does the Bible mm -hmm. say about say quality, uh, or, uh, or, or depth versus speed and quantity? Uh, one passage that comes to mind is in Philippians three when Paul is describing essentially a part of his life before salvation mm -hmm. and the part of his life after salvation. And, and the part of his life before salvation was that he developed his own righteousness according to Jewish law. And okay. this man had Bible knowledge. Yes. This oh, man yes. had mm -hmm. read through scripture and yet he says in uh, Philippians 3, 9, <clears throat> I'm going to pick up right in the middle of the sentence here. Mm -hmm. um, he says, uh, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and so on. And really the one word that came to mind as we were reading Mary Beth's question <clears throat> Is, is Paul's pursuit was to know Christ, to know him. And I'm afraid oftentimes when people read through the scriptures, they, they let's say they speed read through it without meditating on it. Is that how you get to know somebody? You know, is it, is that, you know, speed dating, right? Is that how you get to know somebody on a date? No. Um, you have to take time to know and understand them. And Paul is, is suggesting, or not suggesting, overtly stating, his pursuit is to know Christ. That is his pursuit. He's chasing after that. Um, and I would say the same applies to Scripture, that instead of, of looking for the way that <clears throat> it blesses you today, a lot of people kind of, that's their yeah. predominant question. Oh, you yeah. know, how is this going to bless me today? Or another predominant question they have with their devotions is, um, what need does this fill in my life today? Uh, that's, that's also the wrong question. The yeah. right question is, what does this tell me about my God? Yes. Yes. What does this passage actually say and mean? Uh, and not and believe say, it or not. If you can answer that question through your devotions, the other two 
prior questions, they will get answers. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. You'll 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 be blessed if you have a proper understanding. But if you go there, like you know, I'm really overwhelmed with this problem, or I'm discouraged in this relationship right. that I have, and I somehow have to stuff my Ezra reading into that problem. Well, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you're you're, you're or, or my. Uh, that's the birth of of many of uh, heretical ideas is is trying to stuff Old Testament scripture into a particular need that someone has in their life. Next thing you know, they've got some crazy idea about something uh, when really that wasn't the point of the passage at all. No, right, and and you know, so it's gonna it's it's no wonder that probably a lot of people spend a lot of time in Psalms. Because that's a very emotive book, a man who was in various trials and he's, he bears his heart uh, readily, you know, or, or, or apparently. Um, and so we can relate to that. Say, oh, yes, I'm feeling that psalm today. And that's okay. That's okay to, to go to the scriptures for comfort and to see in, uh, in David's life, you know, a parallel to some degree of what you have in your life. Then how did David respond? But let me just encourage you. If you're having a problem 360 days a year out of 365 and you're spending them in Psalms, you know, we we need to get growing and looking at all of scripture and saying, what does it tell me about my God? And as I build that foundation and I say, you know, God is firm here, God is firm there, this is who he is, my faith is grown. And those yeah. problems, as you said, are dissipated and are dimmed to some degree because we understand God better, not just how his word seems to salve the problem in the day. Yeah. And, and, and that's not to say that what you read in Ezra won't solve a problem for you. Right. I'm just saying it's probably not going to solve the problem you have right now. And it's probably mm -hmm. not going to address the issue you're thinking of as you're reading it. But as you read through portions of scripture and you come to get a picture of the whole, you might years down the road, as you've developed a mature overview of, of what scripture is about, you might see how Ezra tells you something about this and about this, which leads to something about that, which tells you how God interacts with people in this particular matter, which solves your problem. <laughs> um, so all that to say, what you read in your devotions now might not feel like it does anything for you yet. <laughs> right, right. It will um, eventually. <laughs> Oh, oh man! I'm telling you, uh, yeah. Trying to balance uh, thoughts on my my plate spinning in my head here. It's a, uh, uh, um, I've got a, a, yeah, a couple, and then I'm start one's dropping off. I'm forgetting it. But um, okay. Um, in answer to that last question, um, and hopefully, uh, because this is an elite patron asking this, we are going to carry this into the after show. Uh, hopefully, I'll have time to remember what I was going to say t 15 minutes ago, but. <laughs> um, and answer that speed reading through the Bible. So I want to take uh, a, a practical look at uh, the way that uh, I would have read, I would read a letter. If I receive a letter from somebody, I am typically going to read it all the way through. I may not understand it in its entirety, but I'm going to read it all the way through. And then uh, as, I, as I'm going through it, I might go back and go, wait, wait, what was that sentence? And I read the sentence again, but I'm going to make it to the end of the letter pretty soon. And then I'm going to go back and start reanalyzing the letter and say, now, what, what was the nuance there? What did they mean to communicate there? How did this thought connect with this thought? And, and if, especially if there's, there's need for clarification, I'm going to go back and review and analyze that letter. So both are needed. When Paul wrote a letter to the church at Corinth or to the church at Philippi, um, did they take 17 weeks 
to process the letter, you know, three <laughs> verses at a time. No, interesting. I don't think so. They they would have stood, likely stood there and read the entire letter. Now that not that they understood it all, uh, or yeah. absorbed every you know uh, iota of the doctrine that was being given to them, but they'd read the letter, and um, yeah. and so I see both aspects that speed reading, you know, through through an entire book, okay, or a half of a book, and then a book, you know, Philippians, yeah. you only got four chapters. Corinthians, you yeah. got more, but reading it all, then going back and starting to pick apart and analyze and put pieces together. And, and it's just the way you're going to study a book. Right. Um, well, I mean, it, not to be overly pedantic, but I think that the Ephesians reading Paul's letter to them would have had a much faster and easier time parsing and understanding what was meant by that letter than okay. we do today because is- they didn't have to spend all the time unpacking the historical context of the thing and the cultural context and crossing a language barrier uh, and so on. Uh, they didn't have to do that. They simply just read the letter that Paul sent. Um, so I think it would have been faster in some ways for them than it is for us. Right. This is true. But to answer that uh, uh, that thought, in Nehemiah, I think it is, and maybe there's another uh, passage somewhere else that I'm kind of uh, blending with this too. Nehemiah um, 8. Yeah, Nehemiah 8, exactly. So, um, Getting the sense. Right. But, and, and maybe I'm remembering a passage in Ezra or another place where they stood for hours and read through the law. Well, can you imagine how, how long does it take to read through the law? Essentially, you would say maybe that they were speed reading. They were at least bulk reading through the scriptures, and they didn't have maybe this really firm grasp and understanding because then Nehemiah 8.8 8 says, so they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the re- reading. So there was maybe a both. There was quantitative in that they were probably covering a bit of territory, and yet at the same time, they were going at uh, their understanding and reading it yeah. distinctly and giving the sense. And so there was a blend there to say, what does the scripture say about how we read the, read the scripture? I see it both. Um, yeah, and well, it's I mean, how there's you study scripture. Yeah. And, and, and I, I suppose to say it more overtly, there's more than one purpose in yes. reading the scriptures. One right. being your edification, which we have already talked about and, and knowing your God more, but giving scripture its proper place is another reason. So there might be times in which Israel stood and read the scripture, not really uh, giving a whole lot of time to it, but did they give it its proper place by saying, this is important enough that we're stopping what we're doing to read this? Well, yeah. So, so part of us having our devotions and reading the Bible is to give the Lord a proper place, his proper place, uh, and giving the scriptures their proper place, even if we're not fully understanding everything we're reading right now. And another reason is to develop a habit. <clears throat> so, mm. so even if you don't always understand what you read, you are developing a habit yes. by doing yes. it regularly. Or maintaining the habit, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So like in, in this you see with your kids, do they understand what you read in your family devotions when they're very little? No. No. I mean, not as much. But they get to a, no, not as much. But they get to a point in life where if it's gotten late enough in the day and you haven't had your family devotions yet, and the kid goes, uh, are we going to have our devotions? Yeah, that's a good sign. Yeah, they've developed a habit. Yep. It's on their mind to do, even though they don't understand everything yet. 
So you got multiple reasons, developing a habit, giving scripture its proper place, uh, being edified and and knowing our God better. Um, Those are all good reasons to read through the scripture as fast or as slow as your growth takes you. Uh, That is where we're going to have to stop uh, today and uh, transition into our after show. Listener, thank you so much for joining us, and, uh, and we appreciate you taking the time. Hope that you'll continue to listen to other episodes. If you're interested in supporting, go to patreon.com slash reason together. But even more importantly, I just want to say we want your feedback. Uh, We'd like to hear what you're thinking and questions that you have or insights. Uh, You're seeing something from an angle that maybe we don't see it. I'd like to hear it. Reason together podcast at gmail.com. That's reason together podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you're thinking. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together.